hey, you know, this isn't the best podcast you've ever heard, you know, uh, but chances are if you give it a, like a, a decent listen, you might have an okay time. There's a bug in there. is okay time episode 25 today we are talking about melvin davis's album detroit soul ambassador and also captain Beefheart and his magic bands lick my decals off baby don't forget the comma you know we chat a lot here at okay time and most of the time it's myself carl grasha and my co-host steve ellis and occasionally sarah comes on the who produces the show also but she's asleep right now i'm in the pontiac vibe in the garage with the car not running sarah just so you know i may have short-term memory problems but i remember most things steve how are you this week i'm good tonight this week good tonight this week whatever <sighs> yeah i'm fine I'm busy um not too busy to drink uh kirkland lemon seltzer and talking I'm about glad you still have those. I do. I just broke into the lime. I haven't had one yet, but I put some lime in the fridge. Damn. You uh you really set me up for success with a 30 how many were in there? 30 pack of seltzer from Costco. <laughs> Damn. I just want you to know that I almost came real close to assigning you later in the show to run a 5K this weekend, but I I didn't. Wait, but that wouldn't give me any time to, <laughs> to train. I know. Like I almost assigned you uh, to get an injury, like a hundred percent chance of getting an injury. No, no, no. Cause they have one case and stuff. But the point is I decided against it. Mm, that would be, I don't even, <laughs> when was it? Uh, so it was on like Saturday or Sunday. I was like, well, I don't know if that is an okay time. I think that's not. <laughs> I think that's an inconsiderate time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a real bummer of a time. So yeah, like I was telling you uh, the other day, I learned, I wouldn't say I learned it, but I, I, I played uh, half a game of Magic the Gathering on my lunch break on uh, uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, one day, okay. Wednesday. And that game is complicated. I barely <laughs> understood it. And there were t- me and another person who had never played before. And then... Our coworker Andrew, who uh, plays and knows a lot about it, and supplied all the die and the dice and the the cards, um, mm-hmm. and so he was mostly. I mean, he was telling us, but we would show him our hand, and he would tell us how to what to do. Okay, I feel like it would take I don't know five games of that before I really understood it. This might be a dumb question, but when you say die, are you, are you saying like the shakeable dice or that you died the table that you're playing a certain color to match the theme of the game? <laughs> uh, dice, there's like 20 sided die that you use to keep score because you 20. Yeah, because you start with 20 and then the goal is to reduce your opponent's points down to zero. Hmm. Like Captain Planet reduces pollution. <laughs> yeah, but he gave up because. <laughs> he knows this is a toilet world <laughs> he probably did he was like fuck he doesn't even recycle anymore Captain Planet the one planeteer that just the power he had was heart and it didn't, it didn't even do anything they're all like oh this guy well that's great I'm glad that you're uh, what was I going to say 
that I don't know how to play that game. I've of course heard of it, but I don't know how it's played. But it does remind me of that commercial for the game Crossfire. If that helps, uh, I do, I remember Crossfire commercials. But what about me playing Magic: The Gathering reminds you of those? I think just the maybe the era, or maybe I saw similar commercials at that time for Magic: The Gathering. But also like the theme song. I can just imagine people playing some hardcore cards. Y'all get caught up in the Crossfire. Crossfire. Did Magic have TV commercials? I feel like they did. And if they didn't, I'm just thinking of Crossfire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there was that was a good one. And there were some good ones for um, different Nerf toys, too. They were really extreme. Nerf got violent for a while. My cousin Scott and I were talking about Nerf guns last time I saw him because his his kids are into that stuff. And some people really go to great lengths to mod out their guns and paint them in crazy ways. And if I recall, he was saying he was thinking about doing it, but then uh, did some research and was like, this is going to take, this is just too involved. Mm-mm. So I had a, uh, one, this handheld nerf. I just remember it because it also shot a dart out of the bottom. So you could, you would be, you would empty the main dart chamber and then you'd be like, I'm out, I'm out. And you'd raise your hands and then that's when you would shoot. Love it. And I remember feeling really proud. It was nerdy, nerfy. No, I said dirty. Oh, dirty. Yeah, it was gross. I was a sick <laughs> pig. Speaking what about the... What? <laughs> speaking of sick pigs, you can you can pivot to anything from there. What were you going to hey, say? Hey, speaking... <laughs> oh, you're right. Uh, I would think I was going to talk about a different commercial that I remembered. It was like getting into trouble, those commercials, but it's not relevant. I don't remember hey, that one. You know, Steve, you know, speaking of sick pigs, let's talk about the... <laughs> no, that doesn't... I don't want to think that people are thinking I'm calling those two artists pigs. to Melvin Davis's I don't know how to say words when they end in S and then you make them possessive uh, his album Detroit Soul Ambassador he is a local music fixture in in Detroit and has been for many years I first became aware of them after I started working at a place called Blue Wheel Media and my co-worker was Mike Dudkevich and Melvin Davis was the officiant at his wedding somehow because Mike's just so embedded in that seen and knows about every piece of music that's been made in and around Detroit. I wasn't invited to that wedding because I was such a new employee. It's not because we weren't friends or anything. <laughs> he didn't know me, know me that well, but if he got married again, would you be invited? Fuck yeah, I would. Okay. Count on it. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> salad bars are expensive, my friend. So he would often play songs from his iPod. I think it was the first iPod made. He kept it because it looked cool, I guess. But Melvin Davis was on there. That's how I first became aware of him. I heard more and more of him over the years, most recently um, on Crime Town Season 2. So that kind of triggered uh, the suggestion in my mind. So talk about. I was. Uh, you sent me a picture of your friend's wedding and Melvin earlier. That was um, how, what an honor it must have been to have this dude uh, officiate. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to seem weird if Mike ever listens to this, that he thinks I was going through his Facebook photo. Cause I did have to go through. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's it was nice to have something in the soul genre. So I don't know much about soul music, but I would like to know more. And I feel like soul records are an important part of any record collection and my my collection seriously lacking. So and this was um right away I was excited about this. It seems to be this isn't an easy record to research on the internet. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, it seems to be, so it's a compilation one Mm -hmm. and two, it seems to be at least generally in chronological order. So like the first song is the oldest. And as you go through the record, they are um, later and later. Is that your understanding? I don't think I can answer either of those questions. I'm like a shitty teacher. But it sounds right. Like that's the sense that I got every time that I listened to that record that it, it clearly these songs were from a few years ago and they, they were put together as a compilation. But I don't know if they go in order, as you said. Yeah. The reason I, th- I think they do is because the the songs at the beginning of the record are seem a little bit more primitive in a, in a good way. They're just like more raw. And as the record goes on, they feel kind of more, I don't know what you would call it, more mainstream or something that just it would more widely be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this was this was fun to get into and easy. And um, like the first two songs for me are the strongest. I think tracks one, two and four were my favorites. Um, but the first two grabbed me right away and they have like a, this early rock and roll sound, um, thin and angsty. And there's like a immediacy to these songs. They seem to be about new love, love lost, rejection, rejecting and big feelings in young bodies. I did find like I was saying, it feels like this is the music is probably in chronological order. And I, so I found the first half of the record or so more, I was more engaged. Second half, the, all the songs are great, but there was something about those, those early songs and the rawness of them that I found really exciting. I think that makes sense. Uh, and that it's more of a clear indication. I think that it, they probably are in chronological order because if the sound's going to change a little bit, as he gets older, you're probably drawn to some of that earlier work, which if they laid it out correctly, that makes sense. And it's notable to include that he um, never quite had the success that some of his contemporaries had and mm-hmm. maybe he deserves deserved and deserves, but he has worked with some big names and a few that is mentioned in some of his bios is uh, Smokey Robinson, Wayne Kramer, and Dennis Coffey. I don't know Dennis Coffey, but that name sounds familiar. Do you know him? Mm, I probably should. He could have been a session musician and they don't tend to be, you know, you don't always know their names. Like a Don Waz type of guy? Um, I'm not, I don't know Don Waz. He does a lot of uh, Don Waz. He, he does a lot of like, I think sessions and he's been on a bunch of, bunch of records. Maybe he's like a, person like that, but I could be way off. Um, like I said, Melvin is, uh, not just this record is hard to find information on, but him in general on the internet, not, he doesn't have a a big presence. I did find some other Melvin Davises though, that, um, 
I'd like to share about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a there's a smooth jazz musician uh, named Melvin Davis who uh, couldn't be of relation. I didn't find uh, the connection, but I didn't look too hard. Um, he favors bass guitars with uh, more strings than necessary. There was an irritated white man in a suit who is the director of library services at a Southern university. There was a Michigan based trucker with sporting a goatee who mods out tractor trailers. And he had one that there was a news article about him called, um, he made this cab called the hillbilly Hilton. Mm -mm. Uh, (laughs) Then there was a, a prolific Melvin Davis on Twitter it fascinates me the way people use Twitter, the way you're probably more familiar since I think you use it a bit, but mm-hmm. how non sequitur everything is and seems to be related to nothing. Um, here's some of Melvin Davis's tweets. Anything I want, I go get. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate people who smack while they eat. <laughs> Same. Uh, I be in my <laughs> I be in my little man cave all day. I think that I I use so many non sequiturs talking to people that I'm closest to in my life that it just totally makes sense to me. It's like he's speaking your language. Yeah, except <laughs> I agree. Like anything I want, I see it. I go get clearly. Um, and then lastly, if I'm on your ass, that mean I care <laughs> worry when I don't say nothing at all. <laughs> I'm on your ass, Carl. We got, we got to like reiterate that that's not the, the Melvin Davis we're referring to in this talk about. I believe you're correct. This was a uh, different generation. This is a much younger Melvin Davis. He's also a really big Saints football fan. Where are the Saints from? New Orleans. New Orleans. So maybe this isn't, maybe this guy's from Louisiana. Like I said before, my favorite tracks were one, two, and four. And so I'm going to add about love. I don't want you. And I won't be your fool to the mix. I won't be your fool has that, has the kind of, um, uh, bass uh, vocals, like kind of scatting, or how do you what, how do you talk about that? It's be be bopping. Fuck you. Yeah, and it's it's sick. I I feel like that needs to come back into style. Wait, I think sorry, sorry, scat. I think is like deer poop. <laughs> scatting is yeah no scatting is like what um like what cab calloway was famous for oh like that school in delaware yeah that school in delaware my brother went there oh really uh-huh for from six to 12th grade cab calloway's wife i don't recall her name but she would make appearance appearances at the school sometimes mm. so ryan scats he did. He had a. Di- he majored in fine art. Well, I just googled scat, and it does seem consistent with what you said. But now I got to know what they call deer poop. I mean, scat is also used for poop. They talk about scat play. Oh, okay. Now we're getting into some something I didn't want to get into, like <laughs> when deer play with their poop. Yeah. Um, haiku. Learning about love. Raising a hand in health class. 
sweating palm held high. <laughs> Eighth grade. Giving it three bugs in there. It was a good album and I enjoyed it. I would listen to it again. I think that um, if it were a record full of about love, I don't want you and I won't be your fool-esque songs, that would have pushed it into a four. But this mm-hmm. is something I am happy I know about. And if I was making a mix and a, I needed a soul song, one of those three songs would absolutely be on it. Scat us out, baby. I need you to scat us out. I'm not doing that. All right. Yeah, so as as I mentioned uh, last week, I uh, am not a I, I, I like Captain Beefheart a lot, but I feel like a bit of a poser because I don't I don't really know. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to take in with him. And I probably only know maybe three records. Um, this was the first lick my decals off, comma, baby was the first one I got into. And I remember my friend John had um, the record around and had a drawing or might've been a print. I'm thinking, uh, print I'm thinking, uh, that he made in college, uh, that used the line, I love you, big dummy. And which is from that record. And I just was fell in love with how batshit crazy that record is. Um, completely there's something about this uh record that stands out to me in my experience like i don't have that many songs that i'm really moved by that don't have vocals i mean i've experienced feeling emotion related to instrumental music for sure but like the songs that move me the most tend to have a human voice in them and beefheart's uh peon from that record is an exception to the rule I just find that song so touching and there's a there's a phrase that happens two minutes in on the dot that is one of my favorite moments in any song ever um talk about in that in that instrumental yeah maybe i'll have to listen i was focusing on just listening to the instrumentals of part of that song what is the phrase i don't uh, i mean a um, um phrase of a me- of the melody oh i was like <laughs> i'm an idiot <laughs> Why are you always trying to confuse me? I got enough carbon monoxide in this garage. I don't need any more smog. I'm trying to add some um, new terms to your industry term repertoire. Well, you know what? You can leave that in because I don't. <laughs> I don't care if people think that I don't understand words so good. Uh, yeah, Steve. I've really before. I hadn't had any interaction or listens of Captain Beefheart or the Magic Band. And he has no interaction with, with this individual before this, besides the reference from Decent Al from US Maple in High Fidelity. But now, like, and I'll start there, that having listened to US Maple first, I think, like, I I get, obviously, US Maple came a few decades after Captain Beefheart, most of his material, but I can definitely see the influence that he had on that band. And then I think I was able to go into listening to this and sort of the weird idiosyncrasies and like sort more avant-garde style of music with more of an open mind and appreciation than I maybe would have upon first listening to this without having listened to US Maple first. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was 
pretty cool. I I understood that everything, every choice that was made on this record was intentional and, and it wasn't just like they were sitting around. They did. And I, and I watched a documentary uh, that was on the BBC, you know, several decades old now, but it just kind of showed you the way he, Don Van Vliet, AKA Captain Beefheart, Beefheart took over the process and was so meticulous about how every instrument and every piece of the album needed to sound. So it, it was really insightful into how he kind of produced an, an album. And this was no exception. So uh, did you watch that documentary? I have, but um, it's been a really long time. It's got sort of a BBC. Uh, I don't know the narrator, but he's like, oh. and then Captain Beefheart went down to the desert and lived there for many years. And afterwards, he, he got together with Frank Zappa and they had many egotistical uh, combative <laughs> moments. And I'm not, I like, I dare you to listen to it and not say that I don't sound spot on with the narrator. Don Van Fleet. I, I I will say, sir, that I am a Captain Beefheart fan. He says that multiple times. <laughs> did you watch that on YouTube? I did, yeah. It doesn't appear to be anywhere else. But again, thank you for giving me things and recommendations to artists where there's a full documentary about either the album or the person. And, and I also say, will say like, this is maybe the first time I'll have to go back and listen to the archives that you've given me, you know, some record or album or artist that has long, you know, they passed away and this album was recorded in, I think 70. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a piece of work that's been around like long before I was alive. So that's, uh, I think a first for me on this. So it, it's not that I was just exploring this album. I was exploring B Captain Beefheart as an artist and his music and then even some of his, his artwork painting. So that, that was kind of a, it was a bigger piece than just the album. So I, I learned a lot. Is he not alive? No, he passed away in 2010. Oh man. I forgot. I either didn't know that or forgot that. Yeah. They, they kind of talked about maybe it was early on. I don't recall when they made the documentary because it was before it must've been like 1990 mm. or late 80s. Cause it was before Frank Zappa died and he died in the early nine early nineties, I think. Yeah. But yeah, he had MS and I think mm -hmm. he hit it for a long time. And then I think it just affected him in a big way later on. There's just so many things to talk about with Captain Beefheart. It's like, a, what a weird, weird, weird guy, but like the kind of weird that I'm just like, yes, the world is much better for having people like that in it. And, the, and this is uh, ex exemplified in the Letterman interview you sent me, that YouTube um, interview for Ice Cream for Crow. He's like, just goes on there. He's like, well, I mean, you know, I'm just fucking, you know, there's some stuff in there. And he's like giving Letterman nonsensical answers to straightforward questions in a way that just really made me laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think there's a clear answer to a single question no it was great and letterman's like all right and then i don't know what letterman version of that show but it was like the guest before beefheart was a literal sandwich which was called the bob hope sandwich and uh, like they would never do anything like that on network tv now yeah, it's a different time for sure but uh i mean that so that interview is helpful for me to get an in sort of an introduction to how he conducted himself in the real world. Uh, but that he was promoting um, ice cream for crow. So back to this record, look my decals off, baby. There's an advertisement that you can watch on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen this too, but it was like a, basically a 30 second promotional video that they did almost like a commercial. They had a local announcer, radio announcer. And he's like, basically you hear different snippets of the, 
different songs on the album and then you see just a hand reach into the flame flick a cigarette and it cuts the music out when it hits the wall that happens about three times and then you see like a hooded black silhouette walk across the frame and then they, at one point they kick over a a bowl of a white bowl of like some sort of doughy substance. And then it just says coming this fall on reprise, lick my decals off baby by captain B fart and his magical band. <laughs> and it's really fucking weird. I'm going to look it up. I uh, have not seen this. Yeah. It's special. Uh, yeah. No, you recommended this to me when you, you gave me the choice between something, uh, something, something or something freaky. I don't remember what the other word was, but I chose freaky. Gnarly or freaky. Gnarly, yeah. So I I definitely got that right away with the lyrics. It's hard not to feel like there's a sexual nature to a lot of these songs, like the lyrics. Uh, but I mean, he he does a lot of things on this record. He's playing weird. He's playing playing alto sax, like different saxophone, harmonica, uh, vocals, and I feel like his his poetry here is is beautiful at times. It's kind of haunting at times, but other times it's it's I don't know. It's really hard to imagine it not being like sort of an innuendo. Like uh, let's see, I wanted to read a couple of the lyrics just so you can kind of get a sense. It opens with the song called "Lick My Decals Off, Baby," but it's rather than I want to hold your hand, I want to swallow you whole and I want to lick you everywhere. It's pink and everywhere you think so. I mean, that's about kind of, brain licking is all. Yeah, he's talking about licking your brain and uh, maybe a, a dog that you have at home or watching a VHS tape. Uh, on Space Age Couples, he says, why don't you flex your magic muscle? Why don't you... <laughs> Space Age Couple, why don't you flex your magic muscle? Space Age, Space Age Couple, why do you hex your magic muscle? And I think there he's talking about um, the thin plastic... Uh, cylinder that goes on most rockets that keeps him safe in flight and then also on smithsonian institute blues he like he's like why don't you come on down to the big dig and at first i was like did he say big dick or dig <laughs> i was like so confused you're like this is not a innuendo anymore this is just blatant triple x so Lyrically, this was a really fun experience for me to listen to and read and enjoy because the first time I just, I listened a few times um, as I was doing things, then I sat down, had the lyrics in front of me, listened again, and then I listened a few more times after, after that, just kind of feeling like I knew more about the whole body of work there. I also felt like there's a couple songs where he was talking about fossil fuels um, I did, I did enjoy the, there's three songs that are just instrumental. And now that I know what you meant on peon, you weren't talking about <laughs> a phrase of, of text or somebody speaking made me feel like a big dummy, but I still love you. You big dummy. You know, I, I've talked about fillers on this podcast before. I didn't feel like those were fillers. Those were just kind of beautiful accompanying tracks that made up this album. And without them, it wouldn't have been nearly as whole they did kind of make me feel more emotions than other instrumental songs that I've heard, or at least since we've been doing this. Um, but they all felt like they were pieces of this specific album. I think for me, the sound of this album that stands out a lot is the xylophone and like the weird saxophone noises. Mm. And I think that's part of the chaos that, that uh, is this record that they bring. Like Without those two instruments specifically, I don't know that it would have been the same uh, experience or vision. And I'm sure he had that in mind clearly when they set out to make this record. So there's Peon, that's the, one of the instrumental that you mentioned, and then there's also what is it? Japan in a Dishpan and 
one red rose that I mean. I didn't bring my damn glasses. Uh, there's also on what the fuck is that song called? The buggy boogie woogie. Some of these it just you, you stumble over saying them out loud. Uh, there's they recorded the sound of sweeping, like actual brooms sweeping, and as the percussion, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, you didn't bring your glasses, so you were having trouble reading. In the notes, I have all. I always write my notes down in the note app on my computer, and I'm just having trouble. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be doing Don Van Vliet voice, you're like the people. Who, I don't know, you sick pig up in the sky. Um, it's a chaos. Uh, it's a chaos rain sort of record, like, but contained by the canopy that hovers above us all you call it jesus call us the magic hawk that guides us as we go through our day or the great red spot on jupiter it's chaos contained where we can all see it but we don't we don't dare get too close unless we're really ready for the experience you were ready yeah so thank you for for that i also had a few things that i wanted to say <clears throat> god damn it glasses you fucking bitches i didn't know your eyes were um in need they're in that they're way. Not sh- shut up. <laughs> you didn't know you were gonna have to shut your mouth. I think if you haven't watched the documentary, you should. There's kind of it, Zappa is is in there throughout, and I I didn't know that they were pretty close friends, but also adversaries at times, and they toured together, and then they wouldn't talk or speak for parts of it. But uh, Don Van Fleet is a an accomplished painter and. Um, drawer and he had a bunch of notebooks and he would like draw Frank Zappa as the devil or like <laughs> all these illustrations of him and then like show him the notebook and say I got you while he was playing <laughs> when he was on the tour with him uh, yeah I need to rewatch that documentary so I'm going to do my haiku now and I'm going to do it in that Captain Beefheart voice I've just created that I think is pretty dead on what's that you like ba- bass Wash up before dinner, friend. Aye, aye, Captain. Thanks. <laughs> They're eating bass for dinner. They're having bass. Uh, I'm gonna give it four four bugs in there. It's a new favorite album of mine in my repertoire. I think I could hear any of the songs on this album and be like, "Yeah, I like it. Keep it on." And I'm excited to listen to other Beefheart stuff and um, other music he was involved in and, and learn more about the world of art, uh, paintings and such. Cause I, I thought, so, I thought it was funny in the documentary when some elderly w- women were like, Oh, look at that pieces. The choice he's made. He, he's made here. That's hilarious to me. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to go running, not, well, not running. I'm going to walk in the woods tomorrow in the White Clay Creek State Park. I'm taking a vacation day to just go walk for like five hours with the dog uninterrupted. Look at you. Yeah. So I'm going to listen to some High on Fire tomorrow. And one of the other songs that I am adding is from a different album, but it's called Rumors of War by High on Fire. I'm going to listen to that while I'm walking in the, in the woods. And if I see any mountain bikers, I'm going to throw sticks in their spokes and watch them fall. <laughs> um, rumors of words on uh, death is this communion. I mean, 
Maybe. <laughs> it is. Um, I want to add there, Pedro the Lion just uh, put out a new record a week ago or two weeks ago. A week ago. They're one of my favorite bands and they haven't put a record out in, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. But David Bazan's been putting albums out under his name and then decided to knock that off. And from now on, anything that he puts out is going to be under Pedro the Lion. You know, what's weird is I was listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour today and they always talk about something that makes them happy that week. And one of the people who's an NPR music critic, Stephen Thompson, he he referenced that very same album by Pedro the Lion. So that's funny. And I listened to that today. Cool. I um, haven't listened to it all. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like when a band I really love puts a new record out, sometimes I'm a little bit shy about getting too close to it. I feel like I don't know what it is. It's like, I don't want to be disappointed or does that make sense? It does. I think usually I like I experience that in the same way. Typically, I'm like so excited to go and buy it. Although I am shy to talk to a customer service person, but I'm excited to like get a copy and listen to it right away. But I do sometimes I'm like, there is that fear like, oh, my, is this going to be as good as I th- think it or hope it's going to be? Right. So there's a song from the new record. The record's called Phoenix and the song's called Model Homes. And that one was a single. So I've been listening to that a little bit for like a month and it's a good one. Uh, about next week uh this record i got the actual um vinyl from sarah a couple years ago i had no idea this person was still really don't know anything else about him but i thought it would be cool to give this to you when i'm up there this weekend i'll be up there on sunday for that class that sarah signed me up for because i don't know how to talk to people (laughs) um yeah so uh and that maybe you've heard of alexander spence but I had never. I haven't. Um, this album's called Or O A R. Um, Alexander Skip and quote Spence. People call them Skip as they often do. Uh, it's sort of like an acoustic folksy ish type record. There's it's not all acoustic, but uh, it's just it was from it's from '69. You can get it on Spotify, but I'll give you the record. Cool. Um, when I see, I'll find a way to drop it off. But I think you'll I think you might dig it. Cool. I'm excited about that. What about for me? Oh yeah. I've been probably the thing I've been listening to the most right now is fourth wanderers self-titled from 2018. It's a sub pop band and it's a female fronted kind of it's, it would fall in the indie rock category, but it's just really exciting stuff and quirky and I like it a lot. And the quality of this woman's voice is it's, it's heavy. Awesome. I'm excited. I like, I think that I've heard of Sub Pop, but I'd have to Google. Episode 25. Okay, time is me, Steve Ellis, 
My co-host is Carl Grashit. We are produced by Sarah Taylor Cummings. Our intro and outro music is Newark, Delaware's Hokkaido Concern. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at Harefort. Carl is at Carl Grashit. If you listen to the podcast on an app that allows reviews or star ratings, we would be appreciative if you left a review. Appreciative? Is that a word? If you left a review and let us know what you think or uh, gave us a star rating. Um, Most apps only allow five stars. It's super weird. We're trying to figure out, trying to get to the bottom of that. But in the meantime, leave a five star review. I just think that apps are buggy, so it's worth bringing that up. So thank you for being open and transparent about it. Send us your social numbers. Fuck yeah, I got prime, bitch.